Our very existence depends on this. Black strength. Strength that has carried us for decades, but is undermining an important aspect of our humanity, feeding in on itself. Being strong all the time took away our ability to speak about our weaknesses, our sadness, our mental illnesses. This silence is killing us. Welcome to another edition of the Black Doctor Speak podcast. Black Doctor Speak is your source for vetted, accurate information on African-American health from some of the nation's top doctors and is sponsored by the African-American Wellness Project. Welcome to the African-American Wellness Watch. I'm your moderator, George Strait. High blood pressure or hypertension. More than half of all African-Americans have it. Too often, some of the medications prescribed don't work as well on us. And too often, we don't know that we have a problem until it's much too late. So what do we do? Well, we have the experts to help us. Our host, Dr. Michael Lenore, practicing physician for more than 40 years, and also former head of the National Medical Association. And Dr. Lenore Coleman, an expert in high blood pressure prevention and care and founder of Healing Our Village. Thank you both for being here. So Dr. Lenore, if high blood pressure is a silent disease, a silent killer, how do we know that you've got it or are at risk? Well, you, you know you're at risk if you're African-American. I mean, that's pretty clear. I think there are certain some genetic issues and certain unique environmental issues, which also lead to hypertension. So the only way to really know is to get your blood pressure measured on a regular basis, especially if you have a family history of it. Uh, they call it silent killer because, you know, you, you don't know you have it. And there are never, almost often no symptoms until things are very, have gone along very late in the game. Uh, and so that's one of the reasons that um, we push so hard to have blood pressure as a measurement that every black person needs to have on a regular basis, and that number in his hand or her hand. I guess that there's some some risk factors that, that that folks should know that could put them at risk, right? Oh, absolutely. There's no question. Uh, obesity uh, certainly is one. A family his history is another. Uh, I think though, I think the genetic and the environmental issues kind of come together for African Americans in our society uh, as um, as uh, it relates to hypertension. So I think uh, certainly other risk factors have to do with the kind of diet you have. You may not be obese, but you may be uh, eating the wrong kinds of food. And certainly certain conditions like chronic renal disease and, and, and diabetes can also contribute uh, to the incidence of hypertension in any population. Mm -hmm. But certainly for African-Americans, because uh, of the increased incidence, uh, I think it's much more important for them to understand those very factors we talked about. So, so Dr. Coleman, what happens if my blood pressure is too high and stays too high for a long time? Basically, what can hypertension do to me and how bad is that? So let's start with the, the last question. How bad is it? It's really bad. All right. So one of the things that I have been doing most of the 40 years that I've been taking care of patients with diabetes and hypertension is trying to stress to them that it is important that they know their number and that hypertension is the leading cause of heart attacks and strokes in the African-American population. And because it's that silent killer and they don't know that they have it, this damage to their heart muscle, to their 
uh, blood vessels, both their arteries and their veins. And when you talk about damage to your to your blood vessels, we're talking about the big vessels that are in your heart and throughout your body. We're also talking about the little blood vessels that are behind your eye, that are in your kidney. And so that is why when you start talking about complications of high blood pressure and these vessels becoming leaky, um, becoming weakened, and then bursting potentially, then you get you your your heart attacks, your strokes, your blindness. Um, you a lot of folks out there have had laser surgery in their eyes because they had a little blood vessel that burst because of their high blood pressure. But more important, I think, than anything for me, at least in 2023, is kidney disease. Those small vessels, again, in those kidneys. Um, are, are, are being damaged by that high blood pressure. And that is why we see so much chronic kidney disease in African-Americans. It's because of, of the high blood pressure. Um, right now, you know, this, this is affecting 112 million people in the United States of America. So we have got to start thinking about hypertension. So we have holidays coming up here and we're about to, you know, 4th of July. I want everybody at the sound of our voice on that day to bring their blood pressure to the barbecue. All right. And before they eat any of the food at the barbecue, they need to take their blood pressure. All right. So we, the whole family, even the kids, the whole family knows what their number is because one of the issues with African-Americans is that number that we, we want to try to get to, they talk about 130 over 80. So the top number, your systolic pressure shouldn't be no higher than 130 and your bottom number should be no lower than 80. But for African-Americans, I need everybody to be down at 120 over 80, as low as you can get, because all of that high numbers is affecting our organ systems. If, if I can press you a little bit on, the, on this kidney disease. Um, so if one if one's kidneys get blown up because your because your pressure is too high, then what happens? I mean, do you end up on on some machine or something? What, what, right, what's, exactly. your life, what's your life like then? Okay, so um, one of the things that is needs to be done every time you go to your doctor, and if you have a history of hypertension in your family, if you have high blood pressure you need to have your doctor check for protein in your urine. Your kidneys are what filter out all the waste products, et cetera, but if they've been damaged due to the high blood pressure, they become leaky as well. And so now the proteins that should stay inside your body, they end up leaking out into your urine. And so we can tell if you have kidney damage, based upon the amount of protein that's in your urine. And so when, when folks go for their annual checkup and, and everyone needs to do that, right? Once a year, you need to have all your blood work done, you need your, your mammography, your colonoscopy, all the things, that, all the preventive things that need to be done. And then when you go back to see the doctor, you need to say, can we go over my lab report? You drew blood last time I was here can we go over the report so that you can see your numbers? You'll get to see your cholesterol numbers. You'll get to see how well your kidneys are functioning. All of that is really important if you're a person that has high blood pressure, because if you are spilling protein and your kidneys are starting 
to be damaged, we want to know early. We want to catch you at stage one and stage two kidney disease instead of all the way to stage five, which is when you have to go on dialysis. And let me tell you, that's not something you want to have to do. You have to go two or three times a week and you're there in this center where you're on this machine for six hours or you have to do it at home for, for that long period of time. So we have got to do better with preventing both hypertension and kidney disease. So uh, you, you, you raised an interesting issue about how early one starts to look at this. And Dr. Lenore, your your most of your practice is with children and with young and with young families. Uh, how how early do you start this conversation about the dangers of hypertension uh, with, uh, with 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 young families? How, how early does that discussion begin? Well, first of all, George, I'm going to say I'm not ruining my Fourth of July by taking a blood pressure pill. <laughs> I'm just going to have to have a heart attack, stroke, or kidney disease. When I'm going to picnic, when I'm not taking the blood pressure. You're not taking the blood pressure. Okay. No. But let me just say this to you, George. We're seeing increasingly uh, children uh, who have hypertension because we're seeing increasingly children who are obese and overweight. So that we take blood pressures as early as three years of age, three to five years of age. And if we see any evidence of hypertension, uh, then we, uh, we intervene, make sure that there's nothing going on genetically or that we really have a, a meaningful value. But the thing that's so disturbing, and I think it spills over to some of the other things we might discuss in other programs, is a number of children that I see who are morbidly obese. Almost all of them have some element of hypertension. So we are really on the case. Um, but I'm telling you, George, it's almost a pandemic uh, of obesity in the communities of children that I see. And along with obesity goes uh, hypertension and on many occasions diabetes. So we start very early, as soon as we can get a couple of them, usually at about three to five. And we take blood pressure on every single physical visit after that. So aside from, from the fact that, uh, that we're all gonna eat ribs and, and, uh, and, and fat back on on, uh, on, on 4th of July, and some, some of us will follow Dr. Coleman's advice and, and know our numbers, and some of us will, will follow Dr. Lenore's advice and not do, do that. Uh, but uh, what I'd like to talk about is, is some prevention. And uh, I'll start with you, I'll start with you, uh, uh, Dr. Coleman. What, what, aside from just sort of watching, what, watching your way, what, what, are some of the, what are some of the best tips about, about prevention? Um, yes, yeah, so I think it's really important that um, Mike's talking about, you know, morbidly obese kids and, and I, you know, I used to live in California, now I'm in Georgia, and um, I, I have not seen the level of obesity that I, in, in California that I'm seeing here in, in the South, in Georgia, and, and Tennessee, Louisiana, all of that. A lot of it has to do with the, the way that we, not only the foods we pick to eat, but the way we cook the foods that we eat. So one of the big things is, is, is decreasing the amount that you eat. So portions is really a big deal. That's, I know I, I'm, I'm a 70 year old woman and I am really having to push back on, on what, how much I eat because my, I just don't burn it like I used to. So it, it makes a big difference. And then exercise. Exercise is really important. You know, we talk all about this 10,000 steps a day, which by the way, is not easy to do. I can usually get to five or 6,000 without much trouble, but that last 4,000 has to usually be intentional for me. I have to go 
somewhere and walk around a track or walk around a park to be able to get get that whole 10,000 in. But w- once you get older, when you get in your you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, it's important that you also do some weightlifting. You have to maintain muscle mass because that helps your metabolic rate so that you burn the calories so you don't gain the weight. Um, I also think it's really important for African-Americans, and Mike's not going to like this, and I'm sorry, but that that salt is killing us. Uh, that we have way too much salt in our diet and that salt helps us retain water. And so all of that is, is, is hard on the heart. So decreasing the salt in your diet, uh, getting used to using herbs and spices and, and those kinds of seasonings as opposed to onion salt or seasoning salt. And then I know Mike's going to have those greens, right? So the, that whole, you know, fat back and salt pork, you know what I mean? It's called salt pork okay so that might give you an idea that there's some salt in that meat you throw in them green so throwing a little turkey in there might not be bad mike it still it still tastes good i promise you know what i don't understand is you're talking you're talking to someone who can validate my blood pressure is 130 over 67. all right whatever i say might be science i don't eat salt and i understand and i agree with everything you say about the diet it's not only the quality of what you eat, it's also the portion size. And I think that uh, that too, too often, you know, the problem with hypertension, George, is that in any chronic disease, we're talking about hypertension or asthma, where you have to do something every day, take a medicine, watch a diet, increase your exercise, things fall apart. And then uh, you know, once they fall apart, it's like uh, one of those dams that the Russians have, have bombed. And once it starts, the gate starts opening, uh, then you start forgetting the exercise. You start forgetting the uh, the um, the diet. You start forgetting uh, to take your medicine on a regular basis. And I, and I, and once again, I go back to it starts very early. Uh, I often talk to parents uh, who have children who are hypertensive or have children who are obese, and they say, "Well, you know, I don't I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm trying to get him to eat the right thing." I say, "Well, you should have thought about that." I said, a baby can't drive to McDonald's, yet I see McDonald's full of children all the time. And so I said, you start, if you're going to keep your children healthy, then you have to stay healthy by watching your blood pressure. And you have to start good eating and exercise habits very early in the game. Because once you get them to 12, 13, 14, uh, the deal's over. So let's, let, let's talk, there, there are lots of medications for, uh, for hypertension. And at least, at least some of the medications that uh, the research that I've seen uh, works differently on African Americans, and also some of the medications uh, are, are problematic for some men. Dr. Lenore, talk a little bit about 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 the medications that, uh, that are prescribed for hypertension. Well, I'm going to have to punt this question. Dr. Coleman is a registered PhD pharmacist, and so if you want to know about the ins and outs of the medicine, don't make me make stuff up. <laughs> Let's talk to Dr. Coleman. Let's talk to Dr. Coleman about that. Yeah, no problem. I uh, it's, So this is really important. Um, there was uh, several studies done, actually years ago, which very clearly, clearly showed um, that African Americans require a minimum of two me- medications, sometimes three, 
to get their blood pressure under control. And again, our number is 130 over 80, 130 over 80 or less. So right now there are several different classes of medications. There are water pills, the diuretics, that people hear about the water pills. People don't wanna take the water pills, but one of the reasons why for African-Americans it's critical that they use water pills is because they tend to retain salt. Not only is their diet salty, but they tend to retain salt. And it actually, I, I always tell patients about the idea of slavery and coming over on that boat. A lot of people saw the movie Armistad. Okay, so what you saw was a lot of people got sick and couldn't make the voyage. The voyage was for months. So the people who were able to actually land in the Caribbean, land in the United States of America, land in England, those people had to be able to store salt and water. So now fast forward to 2023, that is why it's so critical that people of uh, African-American descent, have to, African descent have to use a water pill. Just a small amount, not a big amount, but just a little bit. And if it makes you go to the restroom more than you want to, it's because you're eating too much salt in your diet. Once you decrease your salt, you won't see that that's a problem. There's also drugs that slow down your heart. Those are the beta blockers. There are drugs that actually work at the area of the kidneys. So those are your ACE inhibitors and your uh, angiotensin II receptor blockers. Those agents actually don't work as well in African-Americans. So you have to use higher doses. So that's one of the mistakes that are sometimes made out there is that the doctors are kind of concerned about pushing the dose. But for African-Americans, for those two classes of drugs, ACE inhibitors and um, ARBs, you have to use the higher doses. You know, if, if, if I could stop you, right, doesn't, that, doesn't that speak to, to an issue about the race of the doctor that you see? Because uh, I'm, I'm certain that African-American doctors know about this, whereas, whereas white doctors and, and, and non-African-Americans may not. Yeah, no, I, I really am a firm believer in, in having some cultural congruence, you know, so that African-American folks are going to see African-American doctors, if at all possible. But even if they're, they don't have one in their community, then that means it's on them to make sure that they know that the kinds of things that they need to know. And, and sometimes some of the uh, you know doctors of other of other races actually go to HBCUs, right? Historically black colleges and universities. So in those in those places in medical school, they're actually taught some of the differences that you see in terms of health in in various populations. Um, the other thing is that one other class to mention is the calcium channel blockers. I just want to mention that they tend to work really well. There's a lot of good data that they work really well in African-Americans. So again, I guess the most important thing is you got to take two to three drugs to get it under control. Um, if you lose weight, watch your get your exercise, watch your salt intake. Sometimes you can come off of some of the medicines, but that has to be a choice. You have to choose to want to, to change your lifestyle to be able to make that happen. You know, and I don't mean to be flip about this, but uh, we talked a, a bit about uh, the causes of hypertension, and I've, I've read some I've read some literature, Dr. Lenore, uh, that really does suggest that racism uh, plays a role uh, in 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 why so many uh, African Americans, on a percentage basis, 
have hypertension. Uh, do you buy that? Oh, I don't think there's any question that racism, uh, any, any stress uh, increases the incidence of hypertension. And I think that the stress that black people are under on, on a daily basis has been documented. For a long time, you know, it was something we said. I think my mother said when we moved to Dallas and we had to move out of that neighborhood because we didn't know it was segregated. She said racism makes her tired. And I think that's the attitude that many, many black people have, uh, is that it's a subtle kind of engraced, constant, steady drumbeat of stress. Uh, it happens on the job. It happens at school. It happens almost in any element of your life. And I think that pays, that certainly looks uh, to be one of the major causes of a lot of chronic diseases. I would say that, to your point about black doctors, there was a study recently that shows that if you have more black doctors in your community, the uh, level of control for chronic disease among black people is much higher, just to having them in the community. And so consequently, I think that they understand that, uh, you know, that racism makes you tired and uh, racism causes the stress. And now they're re being able to connect some, some of the uh, chemical, uh, brain chemical functions uh, with the uh, onset of racism. So I think everybody you know, uh, that you know will say that racism is a major factor uh, in the stress that black people feel. Stress is always a major factor in the development of hypertension. There's, there's no question that this conversation could go on and on and and and, and should, but uh, we've uh, we, we've reached we've reached the point where we have to at least pause. And so, what I'd like to do is thank Drs. Lenore and Coleman for an incredible conversation with lots of great information for our audience that they can use to address the questions that they may have about uh, about uh, hypertension and high blood pressure. And, and George, course, I, George, I want to say yeah, that yeah, sure. Everything that Dr. Coleman said about the medicines was exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> of course, and I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely sure that, that that is indeed the case. But but if anybody's got any more questions about the medicines and, and, and all the rest, we've got we've got a couple of websites that will really answer all of your all of your questions. There's a lot more on on our website, AfricanAmericanWellnessProject.org. That's all one word, the AfricanAmericanWellnessProject.org. And Dr. Coleman's website, too. HealingOurVillage.com. That's all one word. HealingOurVillage.com. Dr. Lenore, any closing thoughts? No, I think that uh, it's good to have these programs periodically because I don't think that um, uh, as many people appreciate the role that hypertension pay plays not only uh, in your day-to-day -day, uh, existence, but certainly in the in your quality of your life, but also in your lifespan. And anytime we can talk about hypertension, I think that's a good day. If you enjoyed our show, please remember to hit the subscribe button so that new episodes are delivered directly to you every week, as well as rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, listening to our show is as simple as telling your Alexa, Siri, or Google to play the Black Doctor Speak podcast. Take care, everyone.